0: We're fortunate to have Diego Kuna on this podcast. Guna is an up-and-coming basketball coach who originates from Portugal. He is currently a youth coach with the city of Birmingham Rockets in the United Kingdom. Coach Guna, thank you for talking some basketball with us today. How's everything in Birmingham?
1: Hello, hello, everyone. Hello, uh, William. All good here. Uh, basketball is, seems to be back after the, the COVID lockdown, so uh, all good, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you.
0: All right. Um, and so people can uh, know a little bit about yourself. Like, tell us about your basketball background.
1: Sure. So, well, I'm from Portugal, as you said. Uh, I, I played until I was 16 or something like that. Not very big, uh, uh, not, not much talent. So, so I dropped out soon. And, and yeah, and started coaching as, as I guess everyone, at least around here uh, with the ma- mini basketball uh, got good, good mentors back in Portugal, which, who, who taught me, uh, you know, the love for the game, uh, uh to, to, be passionate and, and, and asked, made me a lot of questions and made me think about the game. And so, uh, when I was 18, I moved to, to England to, to, to study sport management. Um, and yeah, but, but big, uh, uh roller coaster since then, um, two years here in the, in the UK coaching, uh, university basketball, um. Then last year I went to to Spain to do to do my internship there, uh, where where I end up coaching uh, women's the women's game in the north of Spain in, in Pamplona, uh, so uh, uh, another great experience. And then this year, uh, well after the, co- the COVID and everything, um, coaching in in Birmingham with, with the, the boys section, under fourteen, right now, and it's it's been good. Uh, between that, a lot of experience uh, so far uh, in international camps meeting a lot of people so uh, and trying as well to to use these resources like like this podcast like like twitter uh, the everything that we have around right now to to meet new people so so thank you thanks again for being here and and be able to share the game
0: yeah no it's been uh, it's going to be awesome to talk to you um i originally came across you you did uh, something for the coaches clinic last year about uh spacing and teaching that to young kids and i was pretty intrigued with uh with uh what you were talking about and then you know we've kind of connected here and there uh over the past year and then uh you sent me recently a breakdown video of some action off of curls and so um we're gonna kind of talk about those two things so uh Mm -hmm. you ready for the first question of course of course okay all right so you know one of the one of the things you know, that we obviously hear about is spacing and how important it is. All right. You need good spacing or you'll hear coaches say our spacing wasn't very good. Why is spacing such a important foundation for offensive success? Do you think?
1: Well, yeah, uh, I would say it starts with, with, uh, um, you know, being able to spread the the floor to, to our capacity I would say that more and more, I think the game is becoming a, a spe- like a fight for that space. The defense trying to shrink everything they can, uh, every uh, every centimeter, and and often uh, often trying to do to do the opposite. That that's why we 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 cherish uh, uh, good shooters, and everyone would would like to have them uh, on our team. So I would say that uh, um, I would say it's it's a fight for for that space, and and if you have good sh- good spacing, which i would say is is being as far as way away from the basket as you can within your range right so if if you are not a good shooter it doesn't really matter if you are in the three point line or or even further because the defense won't move according to that that they will just sag you as much as they can so i would say that
0: So, you know, a term that uh, we hear a lot of and what you were kind of talking about was the idea of a player uh, creating gravity, attracting that defense there. And so, you know, a lot of times when we hear that term, you know, the first people we think of are are shooters like Dame Lillard or Steph Curry. For a lot of coaches, though, especially with like youth teams, uh, their best three point shooter might only be about 25 percent. So I was wondering, you know. Are there things that teams can do to create gravity when they don't have that good of shooters?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great great question. Um, I mean, uh, uh, just just to your point with uh, with the percentages, I don't, I wouldn't say the percentages are the metric uh, by itself. You know, I think we we often go with uh, you know, if you are a thirty uh, percent three point shooter, then that's great, and every everything above that, you are a shooter, and, and you become. You know that 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 powerhouse that everything every defense has to has to deny or, or or to make the life difficult but it really depends on on the average of the league for example or it really depends so my point being it, it doesn't really matter what the percentage is it matters what the defense does according to that so i can be a 25 percent shooter but if the defense and obviously this Depend for many uh, by many reasons, but if they actually play me as a, a shooter, then it's it's irrelevant what uh, what my percentage percentage looks like. So I, I would go with that. And then I mean, it's hard to imagine right now a game where a team doesn't have a shooter. Really, I, I would say. Um, but yeah, there is always things or there is always ways where how you can uh, uh, you know leverage. Having non-shooters, if I can say that that way, I would say nowadays, at least for me, that the way I see the game it's becoming more relevant. That if if you don't have so many shooters, or if you don't have that capability to, you know, with the five players, then probably you'll have to play with mismatches, either created naturally because you have a four that can, well, let's say you have a a two that can play uh, in the post, for example, or you have to create your own mismatches with with different actions. So that's why. Uh, or that's how I see the game with those two boxes, shooters or non-shooters. And then obviously you you vary the actions according to that.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the <laughs> I think you make a good point there is that, you know, oftentimes I've had uh, kids that weren't great shooters. But because they would shoot, <laughs> uh, you know, teams mm-hmm. would still uh, still have to defend them or think that they'd have to defend them.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, <laughs> it happens.
0: Yeah. So um during your presentation that I saw last year about uh, spacing, you identified three simple rules for spacing concepts that you teach uh, younger people. Can you explain what those rules are?
1: Sure. Yeah. Th- th- those. So obviously they are not mine. I just I just took them from for, from a great coach uh, in Spain, Jato Cuspinera. So is is a. In the ACB right now amazing uh coach that actually has a lot of things for youth development as well which i always uh, cherish when, when it's not just for the pro level um and and yeah uh i think those rules were basically that you know you must as an off-ball uh, off player you should try to be in the peripheral vision of of the ball handler as much time as you can so it won't happen all the time but, but but that's the goal. That's the primary goal. And then uh, the, the one that I guess everyone knows, two cannot guard one. And that's that's the basic uh, principle, I, w- I would say. Um, and yeah, and then the, the last one, two players should not try to be in the same passing line, um, if, if that makes any sense. Um, and yeah, I think, I guess that happens or, or that applies to offensive players. So not to two offensive players not being the same passing line. Uh, but also with, with your defenders. So if, if I'm on the weak side, I should try to move to that passing window. Um, it would be easier <laughs> if this was visual, but, but I, get, I, get, I, I get you. I think you get the point. And yeah, I would say those three rules basically make what the offenses look like right now, obviously with different exceptions. And I guess where teams differ a little bit is on what those exceptions look like.
0: All right, so we've got these three rules. How have, how do you go about teaching these concepts when you're working with uh, younger players or older players too?
1: Sure. Uh, well, I'll talk specifically with with the the youth players that I'm coaching now. So I'll use my my examples. I've it, this is something I've changed a lot uh, uh, lately, and and with the, all the things that we've gone through with lockdown and a lot of coaching clinics and stuff. So uh, I've 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 tried and actually the challenge i had this season was was quite big on on that and where play, players were, weren't great spaces off the floor to be honest so uh, the i think the basic principle is to actually explain the rules and when i mean explain the rules is not give any you know theoretical lecture on it but but really whenever we we see a mistake or, or whenever those are more you know when, when you can emphasize them, explain the effect the, the effect that, that it has on defense. So for example, we the two cannot guard one. Let's explain them why is it a problem to be inside the three point line on on that corner or on that wing if if they can actually shoot can shoot the three. And there is some things you can use. Obviously, for that example, we can leverage that. Obviously, a three pointer is worth more than the that mid mid range uh, corner. So I think that I would go with that way. Um, and at the same time, you know, the, I think there are things that we can do when we play one-on-one, two-on-two to specifically emphasize the, the spacing rules or the spacing concepts, the, the basic stuff, which would be if I drive against you, 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 you stay away, you keep going, if, if that makes sense on the three-point line. So And, and yeah, if you're playing one-on-one and basic stuff to attack closeouts or something like that, then we, we might start with, with the coach there being the passer, for example, but then as soon as we can add an offensive player, a passer, and then he has to move again. And as soon as that happens, then we can add 2-1-2. Two, two. So a basic one-on-one drill will become something uh, uh, with with more com- concepts, I guess. That The one-on-one would still be our priority, but we just keep adding layers to it
0: uh one of the things that um has been coming up at least in the united states is like how much we stop practice to kind of talk about these concepts so i mean what what's kind of your rule of thumb for stopping the situation to explain hey you're doing this wrong think about it this way
1: sure well yeah that's that's a great question i get i get i guess a, tr- a trend question as well i think more and more people are talking about those those things which i i I believe it's great. Uh, well, first of all, every drill that we do, I tend to specify what phase of of the drill we are at. So, it could be teaching, learning or or competes. So, on the teaching one, we we'll, we are more keen to stop it, explain all those things. Uh so but but I would say for for the specific matter of the spacing, uh we would never so I will uh, we'll try to coach on the fly, but if we need to correct it, it would always be at the end of the play or something like that especially if we are doing uh small sided games where it's not full court stuff if if that makes sense so as soon as they finish the defense gets a rebound or something like that then we'll correct them and and show for example showcase what's the fact that the that the bat spacing us on the defense i i i i would say that's that's the main rule um and yeah and and as soon as they pick what we mean it doesn't mean it will will correct themselves every time from now on but they already know they already have the knowledge of what we mean with good spacing i think that's important so as soon as we get that point on it's easier to coach on the fly as soon as as we see a mistake or or something like this we, we can call out bad spacing and they already know what it is i think that point that point becomes super important because so many times especially with with young kids we, we believe that they know stuff that they don't actually know
0: yeah that's a great point uh one of the other things that i remember from your talk was yeah. the idea of kind of landmarks on the floor to help teach in spacing and so just what is the importance of having landmarks that uh that especially younger players know the, the name of
1: sure yeah. yeah yeah i guess it comes back to the the, the, the background knowledge. I would say it starts that way so you know if so many so many times we we start to teach players and we from you know mini basketball to then under 14s or whatever it, depending on, on how the ages uh going in our systems but we start calling wing and corner and elbow and some of the kids don't know but they won't say it because they believe everyone knows and i you know i say it in such an obvious way that they they it should be obvious for them to know as well so some of the the games uh, to introduce those things uh, i would say put a cone or a landmark whatever you got there for them to start to understand that and being able to call out and now from now on every time we say corner everyone knows what it is i think it starts there but also with the landmarks on the floor you know hopefully the three point line is enough for them to understand you know that that it's a guideline really and especially how scoring goes nowadays where we you want a tree or you want a, a you know a, an, an open layup usually that's what we, we aim for so i think that helps uh, it, i would say when players have struggle with the spacing itself there are some games we can do with those landmarks on the floor, you know, passing games, first to 10, something like that. And, and I think, well, I don't want to say it wrong, but I think it was Kirby Shep that, that actually mentioned it from, from uh, Canada Basketball in a clinic that I, I've seen probably uh, some years ago, you know, using those same uh, uh, games of game, uh, passing till, till 10 or something like that. But actually every time to make a point, you have to be on, on one of those landmarks. So it helps because I would say if you have coached basketball, uh, mini basketball, you know, kids stand in the same place and they don't have, a vi- they are not aware of that visual cues because we don't put them there. So it's training them to actually be away from the ball and know where they are. I would say I, I would go with this one. Uh, I know I talked a little bit too much.
0: <laughs> no, no, coach. Never, never. No, you, uh, thank thank you uh, for, <laughs> for talking as much as you uh, have. And I really appreciate it. So make a transition to from spacing into the action of running a curl. You know, first of all, why were you kind of interested in this, and and why did you put together the video that you did?
1: Uh, well, uh, g- good good point there. Actually, it's been a game changer since probably since I joined Twitter or something like that some some years ago. I'm not sure, but it's it's helped me. It has helped me a lot to to actually you know if I see something. Uh, interesting in a game, it could. It, it actually started from a technical point of view. I'll I'll try to download the video, make you know a breakdown of whatever happened, and I and it happened that I usually publish those videos to you know to the basketball community, so it has helped me a lot to because you end up watching the same clip 50 times in a row, so so you learn some stuff. Uh, uh, I would say, and and with that, so that that idea of that video of the the curling, you know, such a specific topic. It actually came from watching some great shooters especially here in euroleague and i wanted to understand the difference between if they curl and and drive to the basket with the outside hands so dribbling with the outside hand or, or with that uh, inside hand so that was my curiosity and from that i guess i i build up to more and more topics more and more details which uh, uh, again uh, it helped me a lot uh, i would say obviously that video itself isn't isn't enough. I would say I would have to 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 load it up with more concepts within the off-ball screens. Uh, whenever I get the time for that, I'll <laughs> I'll definitely do it.
0: No, I you know I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think uh, we were talking before we started um, the podcast recording about kind of you know my. Uh, evolution through coaching. And that's been something that I've really been focusing on, uh, especially with like women's Euro league basketball, um, just really watching those games. And when I see something particular, like, uh, you know, getting that recording um, and then starting to break it down, see where I, uh, where else it's showing up and stuff like that. And I think that's been a huge part of my, I would say growth uh, as a coach.
1: Sure, no, I think I think it's 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 definitely important. That I you know it's it it comes back to to understanding the details, I would say. And and I, I think it's the the way the sport is 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 made up of so many practices, so many club games and stuff like that, That's I would say, and, and I did it, you know, when I started, I wouldn't watch so much basketball, you know, and especially countries where basketball is not a reference. Maybe you just w- watch the highlights and and that's it, and you watch the dunks or something like that. So I think it- it's definitely important for us coaches to try to understand the game at a deeper level.
0: Yeah, and uh, I-, I saw it, w- it was a- probably a tweet, but somebody just saying, "Hey, you know, it- it- you you need to kind of have a team in every league, you know, that you're or a coach in every league that you're interested in and you follow them. That's that's a great way to kind of get ahead in, in coaching." For sure <laughs> yeah so uh when it comes to curling uh basic question but obviously an important one what options does this provide a player in creating advantages against a defender and talking about curling off an off ball screen
1: sure so uh, outside the, the way i started the, the the actual video was just we have an off ball screen uh, whatever it is usually you know we're talking about pin downs or, or something like that so coming to the ball uh, and and usually curling would be a read. So obviously you can do it without being a read, but but that's that's how I would like to teach my players. Um, and I guess yeah, the, the options become, you know, catch and shoot or or dribble drive. I try to make things very, very basic and and just put things into the box into different boxes. and and I guess obviously when you drive, then there are plenty of, of options you have. Um, but but yeah, I, I guess I guess that's that's it. I would say probably finishing close to the basket is the, is the main goal for everyone but as well as well in the in the in the you know in the modern game you if you have an open layup any in any possession then probably the, the the next one you probably have to kick it out because defense will collapse so I would say those things I'll put those those the the the, the curling in very basic uh, concepts of either catch and shoot or dribble dive, drive and then as as players become more and more, uh, you know, technicians, uh, I would say, the st- the, the catch and uh, sorry the um, the step back options of the dribble also become super relevant because now you now as a defender you think you got it uh, you chased it, the, the 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 you know the shooter you did a good job but suddenly you have now to play with one more hesitation one more fake which makes it super harder so yeah
0: all right so you know it's a sim- simple action a simple read you know obviously um and we see it at all levels but some players can kind of struggle with that concept um you know and just like i don't know i've, I've had uh, uh practices where we've spent a lot of time and it's like uh, can't you see the curl it's there you know um how do you approach teaching this to young players
1: yeah well uh it's 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 a good question. I think we always struggle with uh, with that perfection, you know, and, and it seems we are doing a good job and suddenly someone misreads the, the context and the cue and, and it becomes harder. But I guess it starts with, with those cues. So uh, I would say we, we, we should teach why we are curling. And in, in that situation, uh, as, as I kind of mentioned in the in the video, I would say, at least that's my interpretation on, on the actual video. Um, you know, the first read or the primary read should be the, the primary defense defender. So if if he's chasing us, then we we already know what, what to do. Then obviously, it might happen that we have a primary defender chasing us, but at the same time, the big is also putting a lot of en- emphasis on, on our uh, uh, exit off the screen. So that might not mean that, that might mean that we won't curl every single time. But I would say you know seventy percent of the time or something like that. Uh, if the defend is the primary defender is chasing us, then then we would curl as as a, a normal read. And, and to answer your question, I would say it's making this stuff very basic for them in the beginning. So it could be having a coach there to make the difference between chasing or going under, something like that, to to keep it basic. Uh, as as you know, uh, Alex Rama has, has a lot of good stuff here uh, as well with with the menus and giving options. So we'll try to use those things to make it very basic for them. And as soon as we can, uh, you know, translating the coach to a player, obviously that would be the, 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 the challenge. And then adding uh, the second defender uh, and the, the, the big defender in this case, you know, to, to make it more realistic. Uh, what I, I must be honest, what I struggle with is how much time should we spend on that one versus two and not adding the second player? Because it seems unreal and uh, realistic. That we don't have the big making the screen, if that makes any sense. It's not the same uh, because the reads will be different as well. So I I, I tend to struggle with that. Um, I would say for for this reason, with with off ball screens, I would keep the um, sorry I would keep the switching coverage as probably one of the last things, just because you know it's pretty hard to read off ball two players at the time, and especially if you are playing you know more complex game. It's not just those two defenders. There will be help helpers and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if this progression makes sense, but I'll, I'll try to go this way.
0: Yeah. Uh, how much uh, film do you use in uh, educating your players?
1: Well, that's that's a good a good question, and that's that's always a challenge. Um, I think I think to be honest, it really depends on 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 your players as well. So I remember this year starting uh, with this new group of, of guys. Uh, you know, coaching boys after coaching girls for for some time, and thinking, well, these guys will love NBA breakdowns or whatever. And I remember it was on dribbling, and it didn't have the effect I was I was expecting on. So there is always that challenge on on how much is important for them to to see it. Um, but but I think it's always a good tool to have. You know, you might have to change it. So I would say. So. So uh, you know maybe not in that format, not showing the seven-minute videos that I did or something like that. But I was I could show bits of that so they understand. Uh, where I think it's probably you know important. Obviously the tactical reads, you know what the two-on-two can make is important. But especially the details, and the individual technique, because you know I can be a great player and and, the, and you know exemplify the best way. But if they see the actual players doing it on a game, you know, their 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 idol stuff like that, I think it does have a, a best effect on them. So um, you know, there are some details on those breakdown videos I do that I'll show them for sure.
0: At the higher levels, it seems like the difference between uh, success out of curl might be footwork. What are some key teaching points that you found with footwork when 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 players are curling off a screen?
1: Sure. Yeah. No. That that's that's. That's a good one and, and something I I you know I learned myself, not just with well, basically by watching the game, I guess. But yeah, I, I would say with the footwork, not only like the the fakes and the deception you can make before the screen, which I think it's important. And and any good player that that you know that has the, the capability of of that gravity and drawing defenders, you probably need that, otherwise you'll be. You know, often neutralized if that makes sense. So I would say before the screen, the, the changing speed, being able to do all uh, all those things are important. And I would say after, when you're trying to 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 curl to to, to that example, I would say when to attack the, the the basket. So you know, trying to maintain. I think the goal. If you are if you are driving again, we come back to to the boxes. So if you are shooting, that's that's an example. But if you are driving, you want to keep the advantage so you want to put the defender your primary defender on your back as soon as you can so it's important for them to actually receive the ball i would say with the outside um, with the outside foot so it means you can change direction much faster and you have that advantage to do so again watching the video would help on this because it, Mm -hmm. it, it becomes visual but at the same time um you know especially here in Europe, just to give another context, another perspective, we have now a lot, you know, the game is changing here as well with the gather step and step zero, whatever you call it. So the game is changing here a lot as well. So we have to keep updated with, with both things, the tactical and, and the technical stuff.
0: A question that I had, and this is when you uh, drive off the curl, what, what are some shots that you're teaching the kids that are pretty important for them to have?
1: well yeah that's that's a good question uh to be honest i don't interpret the the you know the situation in that way so to to explain we give them finishes and and we give them tools to to finish against help defenders and and different scenarios so i wouldn't say it's specifically off the curl or off ball screens Mm -hmm. just general concepts to finish against helps uh, help defenders so but you know obviously to, you have floaters, you can do so much in the paint really that that, that will be uh, you know, beneficial. So so yeah, and, and, and then what I would say that maybe helps a little bit with your question is it depends on the bigs you have making those screens as well. So if you can have a big that can stretch the floor and pop out after, after that off ball screen, then probably in some way uh, uh, or another, you'll have more space in the paint. You know, if you have the 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 big rolling, because, you know, that's probably his primary role, then there is less space for spin moves uh, uh, and, and more complex stuff. Obviously, it, it can happen. I, I won't lie. There is obviously <laughs> a eclipse with that for sure. But, um, but yeah, just reduce the space. Again, it's a fight for space. So I think everything relies on that a little bit.
0: No, that's some uh, great points there that, uh, you know, I appreciate you bringing up. So speaking of the screener, uh, what are some things that you're teaching the screener to maximize curl options?
1: Sure. So I I, I love that topic. And it's something that I tried to dive in uh, a little bit since the, you know, the COVID one year ago or so. Um, Nico Cornelso from from the other side of the world, actually has good stuff there. And, and that is something that really intrigued me, which was, you know the angle of the screens and how much you can do with that. Uh, you know, and there sometimes we say that the NBA is not. You know, it's. We, I guess the, on this side of, of the world, sometimes we say it's not so serious, especially doing regular season stuff like that. I'm sure you 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 heard it as previously, but you know there is so many. They are so good at those details that 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 is what makes a difference and it makes the game look so simple simple uh, there. So. You know, with those angles of the screen, uh, you know you are either so. Let's say we are <clears throat> playing an off-ball screen for a shooter, and the tendency for the defense is, if he is a good shooter, is to chase it, to chase the, the on off-ball screens. So, as a as a sorry as a as a big now or as a screener, I have, we have two options now, or or we have two ways to see the, the game. So either the def- the defender goes under and we won because that's what we want to create for a shooter, uh, you know, normally, or we can expand and make the the chase much harder. So that's what what I would call make the chase the longest path, and that would mean really just changing or or starting the screen in a different angle. Uh, I think good, good good screeners do that a lot. Also, obviously, they understand. The reads the timing of of the slip and the roll, all those things that we mentioned before uh, but also you know changing that angle the importance of that angle and and being able to change so if we are playing an off-ball screen and suddenly the defender is very good like let's say we have Campaso playing on us and he goes under because he's so quick then if i'm able to twist that screen a little bit without making a fall, those are game changers i guess
0: so, you know, obviously we also have another person that's involved with this and that's the passer. So, you know, one of the things I know that my, my girls will struggle with sometimes is like, uh, when they have the ball, like seeing the curl, uh, happening or that, that that's mm-hmm. the read that, uh, that is, uh, most open. So, you know, what are some things that you do or found have been effective in getting that passer to, uh, make the right read, uh, when, uh, when there is a curl?
1: Yeah, so I would say, again, I wouldn't specify this on on the off-ball screens. I would probably say, you know, uh, it it really depends on the level, age, everything that we are doing. But if we could have a lot of time with players, you know, instead of them being 18 until they go pro, for example, if we had 30 years, (laughs) let's say, it would be, I wouldn't start with those screens and all of those actions that are more complex if I cannot have a ball handler, a passer in this case, that can dribble without you know looking at the ball and actually understand what's going mm-hmm. on besides that one on one. So I, I would say that's important. And also you know there's a lot of a, a lot that it's needed to do because you might play off ball screens in two sides of the court. So now she she or he has to see it in in both ways. So I think there's a lot of work from from a technical point of view there that's important. Uh, it's it's something that we see a lot in Spain. At least that's that's what I I've taken from them. They, they are really good. Uh, at playing any one-on-one or any situation that happens after that basic one-on-one between the, the ball handler and these defenders so we, they are great with that because they are so used to have the ball in their hands to make quick decisions and all of that so so yeah i, I would say you know it's it's having that awareness of the things that are happening and you know especially with what you're mentioning, like, is it a curl? Is it a flare? Is it the switch or something like that? I would say is is having that awareness again of what things are happening. So if I see, you know, uh, the primary defender of that shooter starting to chase early, I kind of can predict what's happening. You know, obviously that's the only not all, the only thing that can happen, but it's very likely. So that's where knowing your teammates would help. You know, you, you start to understand. You clear have. I would say you clearly have an idea of what will happen in the court. At least instead of having 15 options, if you have a shooter coming off the screen, you probably have three, four, or five. So it's 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 less. It's it's becomes easier. So I guess our job as as coaches is to make the games simple, simple for, for, for players, I would say. And and yeah, and and with that um, as soon as we can from a coaching perspective. We were talking about those one-on-one stitching the off-ball screens, all those reads as soon as we can. Adds the passer as a player instead of being the coach. I would say that that's it. Um, that's something again. I have to to improve a little bit on not on the concept of adding a player as a passer, but how can you make you know bring more value out of that small-sided game? Because so many times, th- obviously, it's important to have a player as a as a passer. But we don't want the whole repetition to only be making that pass, you know, so if we can create more within those drills of making that pass and then happening something that's where, you know, being myself being reflective, that's where I have to do a better job.
0: You know, in the five-on-five five game, we've talked about three of the players. You know, the the curler, the screeter, the passer. What about the other two? What should? Uh, what are some things? Do you teach anything specific for those players to do when they see this uh, action happen?
1: Well, uh, I would. It comes back to it's. It's a great question. I think it yeah. comes back to 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 our beginning. It's probably maintaining this the spacing and keeping, you know. Uh, if, if we are, if you have an advantage and we want to maintain it, we probably have to do things off the ball that allow us to maintain. So obviously it comes back to our rules that we talk to. And the most basic one is to, you know, two, two defenders cannot, sorry, one defender cannot take two, if that makes sense. So, you know, it's probably applying your rules of spacing to do those things. It will, you know, maybe at a, a, a basic level will be just Stay out of the three-point line, move with the ball, and try to be on that peripheral vision that we we so much talked about. And later on, I would say is introducing reads off the ball as well. So if you have a player, you know, a help defender on the weak side, you know, starting to help because you he will need to 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 help and rotate in in some way way sense of form, then we can apply the ghost cuts. You know, depending on how you call it, but ghost cuts front cuts, wherever it is, so you can add more weights within that. So starting very basic and then add some more complexity depending on the level.
0: Uh, I'm glad uh, we were kind of able to come full circle there. That was kind of cool. But uh, um, I got uh, one more question for you. And this has been something that I've been interested in, uh, especially with uh, talking to coaches from all all over the country. What now are you kind of focusing on as a coach to become a better basketball coach?
1: Oof, that's that's really a tough one yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah i mean actually those points that i just mentioned like you know i like to be to, to try to be reflective uh so i i definitely have to improve on, on those ones but i would say as a as a, a more constant stuff like more in the long term that i need to focus um it's probably watching the game in, a, in another way so you know especially with twitter uh with with synergy all those methods that we have and uh we see a lot of possessions of the game but and we do understand I think we are getting great at that because now we have breakdowns from the best coach in the, in the world putting them on twitter which, which is amazing but at the same time I feel I lack that understanding of the full game of the whole story you know so whatever happens on the first quarter how does that impact on the third quarter for example what were the adaptations all that stuff that I think it's important at least for me right now to develop a little bit more because you know unfortunately on the court when we're playing live uh, we cannot pause the game and come back five seconds or, or or ten seconds so i guess that that would be it that that's where i need to to do a better job
0: all right and i lied i got one more question for you sure. uh, i get a you know i i invite you to be back on in on the podcast in five years where do you think you're going to be at
1: Wow! Wow, that's, that's, that's an amazing hard one, and uh, I would love to be in a better position to to say it. Um, wow, that's I, I you'll you'll put me under fire here, but <laughs> no. But I would say I'll, I'll five years. I want to be close to a professional uh, structure within within basketball, and that can be you know geographically wherever you want. You you pick it. I don't have m- many limits uh but yeah in a professional environment where i can coach uh most of my days and most of my time and and with a good staff, i think that's important finding good mentors having a good staff uh, around me so i don't i don't know where it will be so i can't answer fully the question but hopefully it will be in a good place
0: all right well any coaches out there you heard it here that uh he wants to be around good people and uh you know at the professional level so make sure that you reach out where's the best place to kind of um where's the best place to uh see uh what you're what you're focusing on
1: well uh, i would say twitter uh, that that has become become the the um, the platform i would say so yeah just uh i don't know if you'll do it but just on my twitter uh Cunha basketball Uh, that will be there i haven't uh, got my youtube channel yet but it might happen soon we'll see
0: all right coach well i really appreciate this it's been nice to finally meet you uh if obviously virtually but it's been great to talk to you and so just want to wish you good luck and uh, congratulations also on your schooling
1: thank you thanks a lot and and thanks for being here i hope the next time we talk well maybe not the next one but in the future we can be on the court together
0: Thanks for listening to the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email me at IdahoBasketballCoachingPodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com.